You're listening to the podcast of Christ Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope these sermons help you to know God through Christ by deepening your belief in the gospel. Today's reading comes from Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Father in heaven, we know from your word that the unfolding of your words gives light. We live in a dark world full of forces, dark forces, dark people, full of dark sin and none more familiar than our own souls confess our souls love darkness far too much and far too often. Lord, we ask that you would unfold your word and give us light, the light of truth that can only be attributed to you and your glorious plan to rescue us out of the darkness and into your eternal love and life. Lord, your testimonies are our heritage forever, and they are the joy of our hearts when we unfold them. Please unfold them to us and make them the joy of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening, everyone. My name is Clint, one of the pastors here on behalf of Nathan and Kyle Junick and Ryan Gilmore, the other pastors here at Christ Church. We sure are honored to be able to be leading you through this Advent season, the season of anticipation of Christ's first coming in light of his second that is on its way, as Nathan shared with us earlier. It's my honor to preach this third sermon in the Advent series where we focus after having talked some about hope two weeks ago and seeing last week more about true biblical love. Now we'll be talking this evening about joy. It seems like joy is all the rage at Christmas time, or at least on the surface it is. My boys and I were driving home from basketball practice. And uh, we decided to give Christian hip-hop a break for a while and um, turn on 99.5, which is playing Christmas music all December long. And guess who was throwing on the beats? Delilah. <laughs> like, everyone under 30 is like, what, radio? What are you talking about? Delilah Okay, so Delilah, this Christian-esque um, counseling-ish uh, dedication-taking, request-giving lady 
radio host. Anyway, she, some guy calls in and says, my two 20-something sons are at each other's throats. Um, when they're around each other, they're, they're not talking to each other half the time, and this is going to make Christmas really, really difficult. She said, oh, don't you worry. I've got a song for them. And it'll remind them of what Christmas is all about, and it will cut straight to their hearts. And I kid you not, you cannot make this up, but Santa Claus is Coming to Town came on the radio (laughs) right after that. We all three laughed out loud. And Nico says, what, like, how is that going to touch their hearts? All they have now is this image of a huge dude in red staring at them while they sleep. That does not help the situation. I'm hoping this must have been some sort of like program error or, or a, a, a long, the wrong icon clicked on. I don't know how radio works, but we cannot cover up the pain of relational strife, especially during the holidays, with mere veneer of holiday sentimentality, can we? We need something more. And in Luke chapter 2, we find something more. Better counsel, a better song, that both reach deep in our hearts, that we might treasure God, that we might ponder His plan of salvation in a transformative way. Way. And this evening we're going to see joy in Luke 2 from three different directions. First, joy being received. Second, joy being confirmed. And finally, joy being made known. So, first, joy received in verses 8 through 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Let's pause there. Whether it's the royals in Great Britain or pop culture celebrities today, both pregnancies and birth announcements from the top of our culture's echelon to the bottom of the social order. They involve some sort of public announcement, don't they? But what if the Son of God's birth announcement? There was no social media to post on. There was no royal party or a nation on edge to see the new addition to the royal family. No cakes, no doctors, no showers, not even a kiddie pool. Just shepherds. Dirty dudes with dirty work, with dirty animals in dirty fields who were ceremonially dirty as well because they couldn't make it to town often enough to do all of the religious rites that took place there. These guys worked hard for a very important industry in the ancient Near East, but socially they were low on the totem pole, on the border of society, but exactly where God wanted to make his newest and greatest work known. In God's wise and seemingly insatiable desire to turn our world's understanding of power on its head, he decides to first announce the coming of his son to these marginalized men in the middle of nowhere 
in the middle of the night. And these shepherds weren't too much unlike every one of us to some degree in our sin, right? Severed relationships horizontally, severed relationship with God in our sin, regardless of our social status, many of us feel rejected. We feel like failures in our efforts to just get ahead relationally with people around us or socially or economically paying our bills. Most importantly, spiritually. But God, in His grace, He interrupts these feelings with a life-changing message to these men, a life-changing message to us. From the mouth of supernatural, incalculably strong beings, these angels, comes a word for all mankind, starting at the bottom of the social order. How was it that God first brought his message of good news to you? Can you think about that right now in your own mind? When did you first hear the gospel? When did you first hear that there was a God and that he wanted to communicate to you something about himself and something about you and something about how you and he could be reconciled? I'm guessing no one here saw angels tear through the night sky. But someone must have crashed in on your life first message of God, someone must have opened up a Bible and read it to you and helped you to understand it? Or do you see yourself as too obscure to receive supernatural revelation from God? Have you forgotten the Bible you hold in your hands is exactly that, supernatural revelation from God? If you don't have a Bible, And we have one for you. There's a stack of them over there by our offering on the way in. You grab one of those Bibles. It's yours to own, to keep, to read, to cherish, to learn from, to learn alongside us from. No questions asked. It's yours for free. And if you do have one, friend, don't be lulled to spiritual sleep by your own obscurity, your home address, or the seemingly benign nature of a simple-looking book with nothing but really thin pages and really small words on it. If we're honest, we've got to admit that the Bible exists in an extraordinarily ignorable form. But when we open the pages of our Bibles, whether at church or with our families at home or alone in our own room or with a friend at a coffee shop who doesn't yet understand or believe, In admittedly a more subtle way, but no less miraculous way, God is indeed tearing the fabric of the universe as we see it and revealing absolute truth into us and into our situations. The question is, are we listening? Are we reading? Are we understanding? This book pierces our hearts and the darkness therein as much as the angel's voice and the glory of God pierced into the darkness over those shepherds' heads that evening. This book brings light. It brings joy to all who read it, all who believe it and trust it and live it. The question is, are we doing that? Are we reading it? Are we believing it? Are we trusting it? And are we seeking to live it? At first, the shepherds, 
were not excited to hear from God. Sure, the light and the sight of the angels would have been understandably startling to these shepherds in the field, but more than just the sheer magnificence of the sight of these beings, the bottom line is that mankind has always been afraid of God when he shows up or when, peop- or when beings from his presence show up. From the very first act of rebellion in the Garden of Eden, people have feared the presence of their holy God. The law, the Psalms, the prophets, they echo this truth that we find repeated again in Hebrews. The Lord is the judge of his people. It is a fearful thing for sinners to fall into the hands of the living God. And ever since Adam and Eve's sinful fall, when they threw off God's rule over them, rejection and failure have been the hallmarks of the human posture toward God and toward one another. And this posture of rejection and failure is most clearly manifested in our go-to feeling when we get overwhelmed. And that is fear. Yet, yet, in this Christmas message, the hope of the seed of the woman has come to crush that serpent that tempted Adam and Eve and to free sin's captives. He is here. And when your heart is full of God's loving rescue based on God's justice, all of which are contained in this message of hope and good tidings and great joy, and all that land on the cross and in the death of your Savior, then you have no longer a reason for fear of rejection. You've been accepted on Christ's behalf to God Himself. Why reject fear from any other, or why, why fear rejection from any other source if we have the God of the universe's approval in Christ? The angel's command from God to the shepherds is to stop fearing God and to start beholding God. Stop fearing and start perceiving what he's about to do. Christian, are you beholding God? Non-Christian, are you beholding God? Do you want to behold God Christian, are you waiting for Sundays for a big old dose of beholding God that'll get you through the week? Church is, in fact, for beholding God together. But it is also for refueling us that we might behold Him all week long on our own and in our families and amongst our friends and in our community on mission. As, a, as, our, as the people around us see us beholding this God and His message perhaps they will begin to long to behold him as well. We are not made to fear God. Rather, we are made to have a perfect friendship and fellowship with him forever, beholding him forever. Mankind was made to know and to love and walk with God all of our days. God is to be our delight. And as we delight in God, as we were made to do, God promises to transform our desires to be more like his and then to satisfy those desires in himself. 
The angels reassure the shepherds. They reassure us that the days of wondering and the days of wandering in uncertainty about life and about death, they will now give way to hope, to an everlasting joy in God, because uncertainty and death are about to be swallowed up forever by the man that will come from this baby. So what are the details of this Christian or this Christmas message? It certainly wasn't Delilah's message to the squabbling brothers who I hope weren't listening on Thursday evening. This hopelessly meritorious effort to move from the naughty list to the nice list, it just won't do. We will see that the angel's message and song actually do touch the shepherds' hearts. It transforms what they believe. It transforms what they care about. It transforms what they talk about. It transforms how they feel. If you look at verse 11 with me. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Prior to our text today, we see that God has arranged for a very inconvenient census and an overcrowded inn so that his son might be born in complete obscurity. No announcement party. No Instagram post, no reception, no shower. But as accidental and as undercalculated as this arrangement seemed for the arrival of the king, the angels' presence and their words testify that more than just a mere human baby has been born and that the conditions that he's born in carry no weight in the matter except to accentuate God's power to exalt the humble, which he is committed to do. What has arrived? An eternal hope was born unto them this day. An ancient Savior was born unto them this day. He would be the only true way for sinful man to be reconciled to a holy God. This is who was born unto them. God's presence has come to establish God's peace among God's people. Eternal love that conquers death and sin and desire for that sin has come. Death will no longer reign supreme. Sin that has kept mankind in bondage for centuries will lose its power at the hands of God's Son and death itself will lose its sting. He will undo the curse of sin by becoming a curse himself. There's nothing in all the universe that can be more joy-inspiring than this hope and love expressed in God sending his Savior Son to rescue his people. Are you pondering this truth enough? Is the joy taking hold and driving out fear? Sherry Costales of Elite Dance Studio has done it again for my heart and soul. 
We went to watch their dance theater analogy of the nativity drama meets Assassin's Creed last night, uh, yesterday afternoon, and their depiction of the hope that has come in Christ's birth was true to their form and again, powerfully moving for me, my wife, my kids, our neighbor, who we're not sure he's a Christian or not. The prophecy of the hope of the Magi and Joseph and Mary, the one they clung to in this rendition of the nativity in the face of fear and death, it went something like this. Death will hold its proper place and rule the world with iron fist. None shall escape for all our prey, nor yearn for change held by its sway. Yet, from the ashes, a power comes. The earth is shaken and the heavens are rent. Swift and bold, light finds a way. It has come, death's final day. Don't you want to know that Savior who conquers death in a more joyful and personal and ongoing way? Don't stand back, Christian. Don't hang out in the fields once you've heard this truth of the gospel. Go and see for yourself. This is what we see happening with the shepherds. We see how they responded. We see how we ought to respond to death's demise with joyful haste. So second, we see joy confirmed in verse 15 and 16. When the angels went away... From them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's just go back to what we were doing, the show we were watching, the project we were starting, the game we were playing, the sleep we've been missing. No. They said, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying, sure enough, in a manger. Shepherds respond to the word from heaven with faith and obedience and haste to see more. They want more. They want to see if what they've been told is true for themselves. When you leave on Sunday nights, Do you just take our word for it? Do you go dig into Luke 2? Do you go dig into the chapters of John 1, 2, 3, and 4 that we've gone through already? Do you bring more to your gospel community and to that conversation because you've been beholding the truth from God's word? For the shepherds, salvation isn't there for them yet fully. They will still have to wait another 33 years before all is accomplished on the cross, and they don't even probably understand all of that. But they won't wait around. They they, they will wait in haste. They want to see their Savior. They want to see their Lord, their King, up close. They want to be in His presence. Sure enough, they find Him. Just as the angels said, God keeps His word. His words are true. We can trust His word. It's often unexpected, yes. It's, it's against the grain of everything that we or the shepherds have come to believe about power and influence and victory and insight. But bottom line is, it's a word 
from heaven. And it's about God's plan to rescue us and people from every tribe, language, and nation. And folks, his word is without error. It is perfectly infallible for every situation we find ourselves in to endure in faith and to trust in him and obey. The shepherds pursued God in haste because they believed they had heard from God. Does does your hearing, does our hearing from God result in our further pursuit of him and his presence? Are we waiting in haste this Advent, longing for more of him while we wait for the fullest expression of him in his second coming? You may be thinking, wait, wait a minute. A baby in a manger is supposed to make me feel all joyful and peaceful inside? The angels promised peace. They sang of it. And maybe the shepherds bought all this silent night, holy night business, but here we are 2,000 years later, and I don't feel peace. I don't feel joy. Where is the peace they spoke of? All I hear is bad news. A war over here, a war over there, rumors of nuclear war, floods wiping out neighborhoods, mass shooters rampaging on the innocent, terrorists plotting against the vulnerable, racial tensions rising to fever pitch, and sexual assault and harassment abounding for decades right under our noses. That's just in the national headlines. In our own personal lives, we feel peaceless and joyless because because broken marriages leave wide wakes that are full of pain. Or an out-of-the-blue health crisis knocks us off balance and we just can't regain it. Or the loss of a loved one that feels like an open wound that just won't heal. You may not be singing peace on earth this week with the angels. You may be whispering to yourself or even to God, where's our peace? Where's my peace? The poet and hymn writer, Henry Longfellow, he lived in similarly tortuous and tumultuous times and in in the mid-1800s with two dead wives, one from a miscarriage and one from an accidental fire. Longfellow felt the pain of searing loss that mingled with national strife as he longed for the North and the South here in America to reconcile. His son was injured in the Civil War, and Longfellow wrote this Christmas hymn. I hear the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bow my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and it mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. To men. And if you know this song, then you know what happens next. Longfellow turns his attention from his external circumstances, his internal pain, and he focuses them on the eternal realities between him 
and God and what God is up to in this world despite what he perceives. He preaches the gospel to himself and he's been preaching the gospel in this song ever since. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail and the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. A swaddled baby in a manger may have been enough for the shepherds. But if you need more than that to be assured of peace on earth, then my friend, you have it in God's word. You have it in the gospel. Have you noticed the manger is empty? Have you noticed that Mary had to draw him out and name him God saves so that he might get busy fulfilling his namesake? Yeah, they had to flee from a murderous king. He had to grow up in a foreign land, far from God's temple, far from God's people. But he grew in physical stature and in favor with the Lord. He he knew the scriptures from a young age. He learned a working man's trade. He even had to work through family strife and stress and the drama of others sinning against him. And every single time he had an opportunity to sin, he said no to it for God's glory and for your good. And he earned God's favor in this life as a man so that every man and woman that trust in him might one day be saved and reconciled to God as if you had never sinned. One day he stepped forward. He began to show off this divine power that was his. He made the sick well. He proved his authority over all of nature, over all people, over all evil. Then he took square aim at the source of the curse and the cause of all death, sin itself. And he ran himself through to save us from our sinful ways. And consequences. Biblical peace is not a state of ease and comfort and prosperity in this life. Rather, it is a deep and abiding resolution between ancient enemies, the reconciliation of adversaries, the forgiveness of sins. Our ancient enemy, our holy God, he sacrificed himself to convert us from enemy to child. And when this vertical Reconciliation is accomplished. We begin to deeply realize and trust in and appropriate that gospel. And then we ought to lead out in our homes. Then we ought to lead out in our workplaces. Then we ought to lead out in the, in the, in the city square and, in the, and in among the nations of bringing horizontal peace. We, those who have been reconciled vertically to God, ought to be leading out in those things and making an impact now so that people might ask, where does this peace come from? The peace that you long for. And we can point them to our Heavenly Father. Our temporary circumstances that lack peace, they do not define whether God's word from his angels is true. His word is true. And we must recognize and live out the implications of our eternal condition, not our temporal one. 
If you wait, or if you are waiting for your circumstances to change in order that you might settle into peaceful life, you will outweigh life itself. We cannot make our circumstances our source of peace and joy. We cannot smother our troubles with holiday sentimentality. God is not slow as we measure slowness. As we saw, death has had its day. The sun has come. The radiance of God's divinity is dawning in this child. And with it comes the full day of eternal life. Chains of bondage from sin are broken. Doors of heaven are thrown wide open. Friends, let's trust in our King. He has come and He will come again. We have the greatest and most joyful news ever. And yet we have trouble paying attention to God's Word about it sometimes, if we're honest. So now what? What do we do with such news? Joy that has been received, joy that has been confirmed in the gospel, and joy now must be made known. Verse 17 to 20. And when they saw it, when the shepherds saw it, they made known, when they saw Jesus in the manger, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. Let's be honest, our our home, our family, our plans, our job, in the big scheme of things, is no less obscure than a couple of shepherds tending their flock in a Judean countryside 2,000 years ago. If you think anything else, a bit of pride going on inside. We're just minding our own business here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Tolerating our seemingly inevitable brokenness between fellow man and our man-making God. But like these shepherds, we've been given a message, good news of great joy straight out of heaven. And that message is set up and anticipated and foretold and described, interpreted for us, explained and applied all in one place that is so easily accessible to every single one of us on an ongoing basis. The scriptures sit quietly on our unopened app. Or our unopened Bible sits on our shelf at home collecting dust. But contained in them is the answer to all of life's difficult questions. Namely, that God is in control. He loves you more than you can imagine. And he has sacrificed himself to undo all the sin and pain and brokenness in this world. Or maybe we're really good at reading our Bibles. And we even find inside them good news of great joy. And we ponder it and we treasure it as Mary did. But are you making it known? The shepherds made it known. Regardless of how people responded to them, they made it known. Some wondered and some pondered. 
and treasured. You better believe that all the shepherds who missed that angelic concert heard about it from these guys. Have the people at your work heard it? Have the other parents, kids on your block heard it? Are you making the good news you know and cherish known? How insane would it have been for the shepherds to pass on listening to the angel's message because uh, just a few more herding tasks I got today. How troubling would it have been if, uh, if just a bit more sleep would have seemed more attractive than what the angels proclaimed had come to pass. And yet for us, Netflix or SportsCenter or, or Instagram, they won't bring to us what is fully satisfying, this reconciling news from heaven and pleasures forevermore that we're looking for. Just a few more minutes of work, a few more minutes of sleep, those win my heart way more often than the Bible does. One more kids activity, one more attaboy from dad. They will not bring the fulfillment and pleasure that earthly success promises, and yet under-delivers. C.S. Lewis says, human history is the long and terrible story of people trying to find something other than God which will make them happy. Of course, none of the things we've talked about, none of the things I've mentioned, none of the things uh, we were tempted to value and treasure more than God and His Word are evil in and of themselves, at least that I've listed off here, and yet if they do win our hearts, then we are turning gifts from God into idols, into gods themselves. God's word from heaven recorded in our Bibles will remind us of the good news of the gospel. It'll satisfy us beyond our circumstances and it'll renew our mind and reintroduce our soul to our greatest satisfaction, the person and work of Jesus. The shepherds heard from God. They've seen it for themselves. And when they saw it, they made it known. If your child does well at something, you ponder it. You put it in the context of your dream for their life, right? You think through all the implications of how they did. You make it known. If our favorite team is making a run into the playoffs, same thing. You ponder it in the context of the dynasty that's being built. You ponder all the implications of what just went down, and you make it known. John Piper says, the measure of our treasure is our pleasure. Do you find pleasure in God's word? in God's Son. If not, then you're treasuring other things more than Jesus Christ and more than God's eternal Word. May God, by His power, transform what we value. Sheep still needed to be tended, but the shepherds believed the Word. They praised God. They made it known. And Mary, as we saw, she treasured it. She pondered it. She put it into context. 
She took what she had heard from the shepherds, that it can't come straight from heaven, and she pondered it. She thought through its context, in the context of all that God had said to her already and all that she had ever heard about God's plan to redeem his people. She thought through its implications. She waited patiently for the day when her son would prove he is her savior. If you're a Christian, you must drink deeply from the living water that is Jesus Christ that we find in his word. You've got to ask yourself, we've got to ask ourselves, especially as 2017 comes to a close, how did you do? Are you drunk on Jesus right now? Or does the world have you drunk on other things? Will you drink with us? Will you help me to keep drinking in 2018 when we get to Leviticus and March and we're all just pulling our hair out, wondering what's going on? Will you be there? Will you work to catch up? All the miners in all the world cannot dig deep enough to find something valuable enough to compare to God's word. It is more valuable than silver or gold. And we want to be the kind of people that believe that and treasure God's word and God's gospel in that way. May the words of Psalm 19 be true of us this Christmas and into 2018 as we press into God by pressing into his word for the good news of great joy. Let's pray. Father, it's true we have not seen Jesus face to face, but we have heard your testimonies about him. In your word, from the lips of angels, from the lips of shepherds, from the writings of the apostles, and based on all we've seen, we love your son, Jesus. Help us to love him more. And though we do not now see him, we do believe in him, and we pray that you would help us to believe in him more. Help us, we pray, to rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Glory that doesn't end on us for our Christian living, but ends on you because we find in you something that satisfies beyond our circumstances. Help us remember that we are still in the very process of obtaining the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Help us to hear your word about your son, to treasure it, to ponder it, and to glorify you for the greatest news ever, Jesus, who has come, defeating death and saving our souls. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged to deeper life in Christ through the preaching of this sermon. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.christchurchabq.com.